1 Corinthians chapter number one and verse number 10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I'm a follower of Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? And the answer, let's all read it together, of course not. Let's do a little better, read it together. Of course not. Father God, we thank you for this word. As heaven and earth will pass away, but the word will remain. The flower fadeth, but the word remains. And God, may the word of your eternal word find lodging in our hearts. And may we respond and act on what you speak to us today. Give me, give me this piece of dirt that's speaking to dirt to speak what you would have clearly, but the conviction must come from you. The convincing must come from you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. One of our goals at North Church is we want to take you through the reading of God's word on a consistent basis. So we have two reading plans and you can go to north.church and be a part of that reading plan, reading one and reading two. Uh, you can jump in at any time, follow along. Most people do reading one because it's the New Testament and the Psalms and Proverbs, but reading two also includes the Old Testament. Uh, part of our series throughout this year as I've made a transition is that we are doing series along with what we're reading. So we just came out of a look at the Holy Spirit from the book of Romans. Uh, we have also done some others, and whether you've noticed it or not, we're now into Corinthians, which we're reading Corinthians. And so we're going to be tracking that way, and hopefully we are talking the same thing, saying the same thing, encouraging each other, and also learning as we are going together. And in the book of Corinthians, you find the Corinthian church struggled with living out the good news because Jesus was not at the center of their lives. In this book, Paul shows us a more excellent way, and that is the way of love. The true love of Jesus opens us up to a whole new reality that teaches us how to think about every area of life and look at it through the lens of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Matter of fact, Corinthians, if you were to break it down to what is it about, it's about learning how to love the way Jesus loved. 1 Corinthians 13, okay? It's the love chapter. It's the one that most of us have only read or recognized or heard quoted at our wedding. But trust me, Paul was not thinking about weddings when he wrote that. He wasn't thinking about your marriage ceremony, though it would apply and be applicable. Paul was writing that to a group of people that were very dysfunctional. They were struggling greatly. And over the next couple of weeks, a few weeks, I'm gonna be diving into it. One is their sexual uh, 
issues that they were having that were not in line with their creator God and the way sex was meant to be because sex is an awesome thing when it's done inside of God's plan and the way he designed it. It was happening outside of marriage. Inside of marriage was dysfunctional. And then he deals with singleness. And we're gonna be talking about that and how to handle your sexual life. Uh, he also deals with preferences on the type of foods you should eat, foods that are offered to idols, foods not offered to idols. And he dives into all these different types of preferences on how they're going to deal with, is it a stumbling block for somebody or is it not a stumbling block for somebody? And then he deals with the afterlife. What's gonna happen to this body? What about the resurrection? Is there a real physical resurrection? And we're gonna be diving into that, but today we're gonna to look at the very first and that is the divisions that were in the church that was not meant to be. Divisions that can happen in work environments, divisions that can happen inside the family. And all through Paul's writings, whether it's 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, or any of the other writings of Paul, Paul always go back, goes back to this. The answer is Jesus. His Holy Spirit living in us and his love flowing through us. In chapter three, he continues on with what he started in chapter one. Listen. And you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I'm a follower of Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? And Paul is telling us that when Christ transforms us, we should not be acting like the world. We should be acting like Jesus. And he lays the first thing out that I want you just to write down in your notes and you can go to the app and pull it up or the hard copy or whatever, is that divisions happen because we are still controlled by our sinful nature. The flesh, carnality, those are words used in replace of sinful nature. What was going on here is that people were boasting in their favorite speaker and that's the way it starts. Usually it starts with the little things because it's the little foxes that begin to spoil the vines. And so you have them, some boasting in Paul because Paul was very intellectual. He was a great writer. He wrote a third of the New Testament. And people are saying, man, I love to write. His, reading, his writings are so good. They're so powerful. And then somebody else, but he's not a good speaker because the Bible, Paul even says himself, I'm not that good of an orator. But some were loving Apollos because he was exciting. He was articulate. He was powerful. He could move the crowds and get them on edge, excited about what God is doing. And, and then some people were all into Peter because Peter said it like it was. And some people liked that. He just, he just cut to the chase. He got, said it like it was and really just laid it out there. He didn't care what they were thinking. He just, and some people love that. And Paul's saying that, no, 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 no. It's not about your flavor that you want. It's about, is Jesus being glorified? He is saying here that the church is not a place for a popularity contest, but a place for pointing people to Jesus. 
And I can relate to Paul in here because I know and feel because sometimes people are like, oh, I want it this way. I like this style of music. I want the lighting this way. I want the room temperature at this temperature. I I I want you to preach it this way, pastor, but you're not doing that, so we're out of here. I've had people even just get all kind of uh, worked up about something Paul was dealing with. Notice what it says here. He says, Paul says, I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. Now, how would you like me to get up and say, I am so, I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you. <laughs> you, Chris, I'm, I'm thank God I didn't baptize you. That's what Paul's saying. He's driving home a point. And I can relate to this because I've had people upset at me and at our staff because I wasn't the one that baptized them. I've had people say, you know what, I'm going to wait another six months to get baptized and hope Pastor Rodney can baptize me because I don't want any other staff members to baptize me. Come on, I'm not against your preferences. I'm not against who you like as a speaker or your flavors, but we've got to remember that it's about pointing people to Jesus. It's about Christ being exalted. That's what it is about. You've heard the statement, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And if you Google that, you maybe find it accredited to Abraham Lincoln, which Abraham Lincoln actually stole it from another guy named Jesus Christ. (laughs) And in Matthew chapter number 12, he deals with this, Jesus does. He talks about division because Jesus knew too well. He said, I saw Satan cast down because he was there when Satan tried to divide heaven and a third of the angels were cast out. He was there in the garden when Satan tried to divide Adam and Eve from God and he did. And you know what? Satan is still trying to divide people today. He's trying to divide your home. He's trying to divide your work. He's trying to divide our schools. He's trying to divide our church and he will do it if we let him. Which brings me to another thought. When we are controlled by the sinful nature that reveals our spiritual immaturity, and that's what he's getting at here. Have two grandkids and a third one on the way. We're gonna have three under three pretty soon. Pray for my daughter-in-law, Haley and Gavin. But Shepard, I haven't shown many pictures of him, but he's 11 months old, and here's a picture of Shepard. Yeah, that's the same reaction I have every time I see his face. Oh, his little dog Wrigley, a little snuggle. But don't let that cute, sweet little smile fool you. Because when he gets hungry, he gets angry. He wants his food now. You can set him in that high chair, but if you don't have that high chair at food right there, he starts beating that high chair. He's demanding and screaming for his food. And I see that sometimes we can do the same thing. We begin to talk about bat bike gossip and begin to complain about little things that really in the span of things aren't gonna make a difference because when eternity is looking and staring it in the face, there's some things we're gonna look back and say it did not matter at all. Come on, let us not get hung up on things that are not gonna matter for eternity. Chapter three, he continues. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to the world or as you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with spiritual food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. 
I remember the first time that I was, that I remember being given all three kids for an extended part of the day, all three at one time. Um, Annabeth, our youngest, was just up into her twos toward the end of her two years. I made them food, it was there on the table. I made Annabeth, she was the first one that I made. And I knew she wanted a jelly sandwich, is what Shannon told me to make for her, and I made the sandwich. But right before I gave it to her, I was still over at the counter, I took it and cut it up into small little bite-sized pieces because I knew that was smart. As a dad, I'm smart. You give the kid not the whole thing, you give them little bite-sized pieces so they don't get choked on it and they can eat piece by piece. And I took it over and she is smiling, she's so hungry, she's ready to eat. I set it in front of Annabeth and then all of a sudden her smile goes away and a frown comes on her face. And I'm looking at her like, Annabeth, you okay? She sat there, stared at it, and then big crocodile tears began to go down her face, and then she began to burst out in tears. And she began to say, you mess it up, Daddy. You mess it up. I'm like, mess what up, Annabeth? What is it? And I, I could not understand what she was getting at until finally she says, you broke it, Daddy. You broke it. Well, apparently I found out later, Mama just put the whole thing out there. But daddy cut it up and daddy broke it. She would not eat that sandwich. I had to go throw it away and make her a brand new unbroken sandwich. And sometimes we're doing that in the church. I want it my way or it's the highway. I don't want to have anything. No, 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 no. We don't do that as the family of God. First Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter straight out of there. Here's what Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, but when I grew up, but when I grew up, spiritual immaturity begins to rear its head because of our sinful nature. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Let me just say this, unity is worth the fight. But all the times we're fighting in the flesh and we need to be fighting in the spirit for unity. Fighting not for division, but fighting for unity. And I'm gonna give you a few things to think about in regards to what that's gonna look like when you begin to fight for unity. First off is this, you will pray for unity. You will pray for unity. This past week has been a very difficult week for Shannon and I, especially Shannon. Last Sunday, after church, at 1.02, Shannon is still in the lobby. She gets a phone call from her Aunt Susie, which she never calls. She misses the call, but she sees it moments later. She realized this is odd. I better step out and make that phone call. At 1.09, she calls her Aunt Susie back, and her Aunt Susie says, Shannon, your dad is dead. Shannon's like, what? Your dad is dead. Shannon gets in her car and immediately calls me. And she says, Rodney, my dad is dead. Her dad was supposed to join us for lunch. Her dad, the last year, would come in for the 1130 service and sit back at the back when we were having lunch together on Sunday. Then he would join us for lunch. He lives two hours away in Wetumpka, Oklahoma. Shannon gets a hold of her brother. They talk, and 
by the time she gets home, her brother is at her house, our house. They get in the vehicle, they head off. We have family there, we're supposed to have a big lunch, we're supposed to be festive, her dad's dead. She spends the rest of the day going to see the body, trying to figure out what happened. 68 years old. That's getting younger every year. He looks like he's in his 50s, upper 50s, because I don't want him to be as young as me. But here's a picture of him, and the funeral was on Thursday. And Shannon spoke that funeral, and it was powerful. What my wife had to say was absolutely powerful. He was young. He was healthy. He was cutting down a tree the night before and cutting it up in pieces and hauling it off, but apparently got overheated. Went back, and his sister checked on him, and he was doing better. He went to bed sometime in the night, we think, had a massive heart attack. He's gone. He's gone. My wife had been praying for him all of her life. Because Scott was not always the kind, gentle guy that some people knew him as. He was married to Gail, Shannon's mom, for 17 years. The day after graduation, they announced that he was moving out. They would end up getting divorced and not ever be together again. He was an alcoholic, functioning alcoholic with a short fuse. You put both of those things together, it's not a good combination. Shannon saw a lot of things that you would not, she's glad that her grandkids never saw in him. A lot of pain, a lot of hurt, but she prayed. I remember we were dating, she was praying for her dad. All the time we'd pray together. After we got married, praying for her dad. God began to work because God hears the prayers of his children. And over time, God began to transform his life. Did it happen overnight? No. You know what? Right after their divorce, he quit drinking. He didn't touch alcohol again. There was the first change. And over time was change after change after change. God was working and listening to Shannon's prayers. And in the last couple of years, we have had unity and we've had him back in the family like we've never had before. And every single time he was coming in for the last year and a half to, church, to come eat lunch with us on a Sunday, he would come in and be a part of a service. Let me tell you something. Keep praying. Keep praying. Jesus says it this way in John 17. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Did you get that? Why do we need unity? Because this world is looking. Because this world is watching. Because they don't want to be a part of a hypocritical church that's backbiting and complaining and gossiping. They want to be a part of something where there is unity, where they know that they're not going to be nitpicked on every little thing, but they know that they're going to be pointed to Jesus Christ and that Jesus is the hope of the world. You see, perfect unity does not mean we agree on everything but it does mean that we're together on everything. 
I, I, I realize this as a husband and wife with our kids, and if you are married and you have children, it is very important that oftentimes you are not going to agree. Is any married couples here? You want to agree on how to discipline. You want to agree on how to raise them. You want to agree on what they're going to do. But what you need to do is walk into a room and you need to come to some type of togetherness so that when you walk back out, you give a unified front that says, okay, here's where we are, kids. And this is what, that's what the church should be. The church should be a place where we might not agree on everything, but we come together on everything in the name of Jesus. And that Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the answer. You know, the New Testament church, I mean, it's kind of discouraging sometimes when you read Acts chapter two because you got the winds of the Holy Spirit coming, clothing tongues of fire, they're speaking in tongues, 3,000 people get saved. You say, yes, do that again, Lord. And then you go on down in chapter number two and like they're selling all the property, sharing with everybody. It's like, oh God, that's not my church. <laughs> but I'm kind of encouraged though when you get to chapter six just a few weeks later and there's disagreements between how the treatment of the widows should be done. But you know what they did? They didn't allow that to divide them. They got together and came together with a unified front. But for the Corinthians, they started letting it divide them. And it starts off with that little thing that leads to many other sins and greater sins that begin to destroy the body of Christ. Be careful. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter says this. Love never gives up. Love never loses hope, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Shannon did not give up praying for her dad. And over the past couple of years, there was a major transformation in his life. We were able to enjoy time together. We were planning on a trip that was going to be happening in a matter of weeks with Shannon's mom, her dad, and my parents. That would have never happened just a few years ago. God had healed the hurt and unity was together. And on Father's Day was the first time that Shannon remembers since she was a small child ever sitting in a service, all service with her dad. And Shannon finds peace knowing that those prayers were answered she still has questions for God, but God answered her prayers. Secondly, is you gotta work towards unity. You gotta work towards unity. A couple of our values here at North Church is this, is that we will win the lost. I mean, we, we, we are under one vision. And another one is that uh, we will do life together. That's a couple of visions that we have that is not easy. Matter of fact, it doesn't happen just because you put it up on a sign and post it somewhere in the church. It doesn't happen just because you put it on your website. It happens because you work toward it. It's because you sacrifice toward it, because you forgive toward it, because you pray toward it. It happens because you work. Sometimes we spend a lot of time praying, but we need to sometimes stop praying and get up and do something about it. And some of our prayers are about people and they're against people and we need to start praying for people because when you're praying for them, you're praying blessings upon them and then you want to work towards helping restore and reconcile whatever issues there may be between you and that person. First Corinthians three says, after all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are all, we are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. 
Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God. But it was God who made it grow. One of the key things when it comes to unity in the body and in our families and everywhere else in our communities is that we gotta realize our role. And when you realize your role, like Paul is laying out, some plant, some water, but it is God that gets the increase. See, each one of us have our niche and each one of us are part of the body and the body has different functions, but all of us are working toward one end and that is that God will be glorified. And it's God that makes things grow. Recently, I had somebody come up to me that was, it was a relationship that had been frayed for many, many years. And they said, I'm gonna go to this person and we're going to talk and I'm gonna, and I, I told them, I said, yes, do that. But I want you to hear me in this. You gotta go with the attitude that I am reconciling my part. No matter what they do and how they respond, you just do your part. Does that make sense? Because what happens, sometimes we feel it, we go to it, and all of a sudden we want them to respond where we're at spiritually, and they might not respond where we are, and then we're upset again, and then we're bitter again, and then it gets worse. Versus going in and saying, you know what? I am vulnerable, I'm just simply asking for forgiveness in hopes to restore this relationship. And after I do my part, I'm gonna leave it with them. Verse number seven, he continues, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters works toward together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. It takes humility. And it takes incredible faith in God to work towards unity. Which brings me to my last thought. The foundation for unity is Christ. The foundation for unity is Christ. So Shannon has a day Sunday where she gets in the car with her brother Justin. She's been gone since 6.37 in the morning for church all day. She goes straight down to Wetumpka, does not eat all day. Sees her dad's body, begins to make preparations, kind of walks through his stuff. What do we need to do? What, how do, what do, we, what do we do from here? When you're in that moment, what do you do? She gets back really late at night on Sunday night. I stay with the family because we've got family in our house. A bunch of people over for a big lunch. And then the next day, we have our staff coming over and their kids. And of the staff that are going to be able to make it, we have over 50 people at our house with a big cookout, with a big swim party, with a big hangout time. And I said, Shannon, do you want me to make other plans and tell them, hey, it's not a good time right now? And Shannon looked at me when she got home, wearied out as she was. She says, no, I want them to be at my house and I need them right now. You see, because we have something in common. And that the bond is found around Jesus. And the hope is in him. And so we come in the next day after having family stay in the night, family over in the day, and then having 50 plus people in our house and in our backyard, hanging out. Why would she do that? 
because she realized that in that moment, she did not need to run from people. She needed the people of God and the family of God. Now, I'm not saying that you have to do the exact same scenario like my wife and like we did. There is some space to be alone and grieve, but in that moment, Shannon felt like that that would be the best thing for us, for us and for her, and God knew the timing, and she wanted to keep that moment, and she's glad she did. She's glad she did. 1 Corinthians 10 says, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Hear me, some listening to me right now have checked out on the church and hold grievance against the church because of what somebody did to them or a church that they feel hurt them. Hear me, you can't control how you get hurt, but you can control how you heal. My wife could not control how she was gonna receive that information about her father's death. She could not control the timing of her father's death, but what she can control is how she is going to heal. And I want you to hear me, because some of you might not be in the valley of the shadow of death right now, but you're gonna have that moment, and you're gonna have pain, and you're gonna have that moment somebody hurts you, and you're gonna have that moment where you feel like that you've been left out on the edge, and you're in pain, and you're suffering, and you're gonna wanna seclude and isolate, you're gonna give yourself to your own thoughts, and it may be the worst thing that you can do at that moment because we need each other. We need the body of Christ, because we need each other. As messed up as we are and as dysfunctional sometimes we can be, we need to be continually pointing to Jesus Christ, realizing that Jesus is the hope of the world and Jesus is the hope for us. First Corinthians three eleven says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Don't blame, don't blame your hurt on the church. Accept your healing through the church. The church is what Jesus established. Not what Rodney established, not, not what someone else, not Paul the apostle established, it's what Jesus established. You cannot dictate how you get hurt, but you can determine how you're going to heal. Do it. Do it. Don't throw out the bathwater, the baby with the bathwater. Don't, don't just because you it would connect something to the church that you just forget it. No, 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 no. No, no. It's the church that you need right now. It's the foundation on Christ that you need, wherever you're at. But a lot of times how we respond that creates the visions is because of our spiritual immaturity. And the answer is, we gotta pray for unity. We gotta work together. The foundation has to be Christ. Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, do your thing. We're gonna to go to each one of our locations right now. Holy Spirit, do your thing. With eyes closed, no one looking around. 
If you need Christ as your Lord and Savior, the foundation's Christ. The winds and the waves of life are gonna come and if your life is built on sand, the things of this world, it's, it's gonna be quickly destroyed but if it's built on Christ Jesus, it'll be able to withstand whatever comes your way. Place your hope in him today. And if you feel him knocking at your door, the scripture says that you must call on him. Acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. Receive the forgiveness that can only come through him. This is not by works lest any man should boast. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in transforming your life. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. And for all of us, there's many listening to me right now, divisions happening right now in your family. Divisions happening between you and others. And God's wanting to heal that. Don't wait for them. You respond now in obedience to what Christ would have for you. I want you to stand to your feet. Would you do it? Our prayer team is making themselves available. If you want prayer, maybe it's a division, maybe it's difficulty, maybe there's something in your life between you and somebody else, come, we wanna agree with you. Maybe you know of some family members that they are against each other. Maybe it's spiritual maturity you need. We wanna lay hands and agree with you. Maybe you need healing in your life physical, emotional, mental. We want to pray for you. 